Have you ever been banned by your children? Kind of a weird thing. When my daughter was in high school, she stopped telling me when her sporting events were happening. It wasn't a ban because she knew she couldn't get away with that. But it was as close as she could get. Um, it's, it's really pretty obvious why she did it. If you had ever been to one of my daughter's sporting events that I attended, you would know why she did it. If you'd been to any of my son's sporting events that I attended, you'd know why she did it. Because almost unbeknownst to me, I was that dad. You know, the one on the sideline, shouting, giving advice, telling him what to do. Shoot! 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 <laughs> Hardly knew I was doing it. It just came rushing out of me from a place I didn't even know existed. It just happened. It, I couldn't, they could have duct taped my mouth shut. I would have found a way to say something. Have you ever been so in love that you're kind of out of control? You know what I mean? You're just a little nuts beside yourself. You know, you, you're not really dealing with the full set of faculties. You've gotten, to, you've gotten to some point there where your, your love has taken hold and things are just happening. You're saying stuff you wish you could get back. You know, you're trying to figure out which of the L words is appropriate for the setting. You know which two I'm talking about? You know, is this a like setting or is this a love setting? Have we crossed over from like to love? Boy, the, the first, one, first one to break out the, the big L word is always a big scary moment. Have you ever been so in love? Have you ever been so loved you wanted to ban your parents from your sporting events? That, that experience, that, that place in your heart where stuff just comes out. You can't push it back. You can't keep it down. It just starts to pour out of you. You know, Judah Smith, I, uh, this week, I, preachers listening to listen to sermons. Did you know that? We listen to other preachers preach. And Judah Smith, this week, I was listening to a sermon that he preached, and he pointed out this word that I have missed my entire life. I don't know how I missed it. It's right there in the text. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So loved the world. God so loved the world. This is an expression of, 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 of a, multiple, a multiplication. It's, it's there to tell us that He loves us a great deal, that He loves us in, in, a, in a way that's just beyond a, a simple explanation. God so loved you, so loved me, so loved everyone on this planet that He gave His only begotten Son. I just want you to think of this word, God so loved you. So I, I want you also to put some context to this for a second. Do you remember what John calls himself? You remember John the disciple? Do you know what he calls himself in his own book? Do you he, he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, unless you're a rapper, you don't actually get to nickname yourself, right? You don't actually get to do that. But he did. He said, God 
so loves me. I am, I am the apostle. I am the disciple that Jesus loves. Think about that for a sec. Think about using that, uh, that term for yourself. Imagine if you got up in the morning and you just got up and said, Hi, God, it's me, the one you love. I'm that guy. I'm that girl. Here I am. Good morning. Could you do that? Could you bring yourself to that? Would it feel weird to you? But it's true. That's the crazy part about it. It's actually true. You have every right in the world to wake up tomorrow morning, look up into the heavens and say, Good morning, Lord. It's me, the one you love. Because he does. Because it's that true. It's true and it's real that he so loves you that he does he does crazy things. God does amazingly wild and crazy things. The cross is not an ordinary behavior. Being willing to die for someone is a so loved expression. Being willing to give your life to rescue somebody else is putting it out there and it's putting it way out there. That's a that's a statement of capital big L love. I love you. We've talked a lot about Grace Point. We've used it as a name. But maybe after last week, after thinking through last week and thinking about this week and thinking about what was going on at the cross, maybe Grace Collisions is a better picture. You know, it's like a car wreck. There's so much energy and so much power and so much authority and that moment when God's grace comes into, into the proximity of our need. There's, there's such a, an atomic reaction that takes place that it affects every part of our being. Little Book Ministry of Healing, actually, it goes through saying it affects our brain, our heart, our, our, our body. It affects us in a physical way to know that God loves us like that. God so loves you. God so loves me. So you have a new nickname now. You are the follower whom Jesus loves. You are the disciple whom Jesus loves. That's your nickname from now on. You can use this nickname. You now can take it as your own. It's not borrowed from John. It's original with you because it's true and original with each and every single one of us. God so loved you that he was willing to die, willing to face the cross, willing to do whatever it took to bring you and I home. God so loved you. You buy that? Because that, that, that is the basic foundational principle of Christianity. It is probably even beyond that. It's the basic foundational principle of Scripture. That God so loves you and me that He's willing to go to great lengths to get us home. He's willing to go to great lengths to rescue us. He's going to keep coming back with that same phrase, with that same attention, that same direction in your life. He just so loves you that He's going to show up your basketball game and cheer. He so loves you that things are going to just happen because of who He is and how He feels, not because of anything you've done. The Bible isn't really concerned with how much you love God. It's simply concerned with how much He loves you. He so loves you. 
He so loved you that he, that he plucked Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees and he built a family and he built a nation. And he so loved you and me that he, he started talking to them through the prophets and the priests. He so loved you and me that he helped them keep and, and, and collect those things so that they could be passed on. He so loved you and me that he showed up in human flesh, took on the degraded body of a human being, took on our flesh, became one of us. He so loved you and me that he came to the planet. He lived here for 30 years and he died here on our behalf. He was resurrected again. Why? Simple. He so loved you and me. Final act of the play is the final expression of that love. He shows up in his son because he cares and loves you and me so much. He finally takes us home. It's the whole theme of the scripture. Today I want to just to just drive that home as many ways as I can. Did you see what happened? I started making the list. I, I have a, I actually have a, a photograph of my uh, of my whiteboard in my office because that's how I work out my sermon. I start writing things down on this whiteboard because I'm a very visual learner and visual person. And so as I'm writing things down, things start to connect. And those connections start to make all kinds of impact. And I just started reading through the scripture, asking myself, "What happened at the cross? What happened at the cross?" What happened there? Did you see? Can you imagine what happened there? And I just started seeing so many things. It's gonna, it would take a week or two or more to just ex- just talk about and just explain those those amazing things that happened at the cross. He who had, he who knew no sin became sin for us at the cross. While we were yet enemies, Christ died for us at the cross. Grace, amazing, abundant beyond our comprehension, was poured out upon us at the cross. It's levels upon level upon level of things. The the fulfillment of the promise of the sanctuaries from the beginning to the end at the cross. Over and over again, what you see is the, the meeting. Everybody is looking forward from the Old Testament. All eyes look forward to the Messiah and what will happen. They just keep looking and looking off into the distance. What is God going to do? How is He going to rescue us? How is He going to save us? What's God going to do to make it possible for us to go home? They just keep looking forward, waiting and hoping. And then Jesus comes. And the fulfillment of everything God had promised is in that moment at the cross. And from that point on, all of us are looking back and saying, it's amazing what God did just to rescue us, just to save us, just to, just to give us this opportunity. Time changes at the life of Jesus, beginning before Jesus and then er, ending the before Jesus portion and beginning a new portion after Jesus. It's a transformation in time. And it all took place at the cross. But I want to look at this theological piece for a sec. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages, something we've earned, is death. Right? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Sin is the problem. You get it? Sin is the issue. Sin is the problem. We made a mistake. We got, we got involved with a problem that set our heart off in the wrong direction. Pride and selfishness became the driving forces of our heart. Sin became the choice we would make first, not the choice we would make absolutely without a question, the last possible thing we would do. Sin became the thing we liked. Sin became the things we excited, were excited about. Sin became the thing that drew us. Sin is our problem. 
first sin is the causal source of all human suffering. You have to understand that. If you don't let this get into your heart, if you don't understand the horrible nature of sin, then it just becomes a trite little thing. It's just something that you did. It's some, some, almost, that, almost some dust you can sweep away. No, sin is the causal source for all human suffering. Behind all human suffering, all human sorrow, all human pain is sin. And the God of the universe so loves you that he can't let that continue. The God of the universe so loves me that he can't allow suffering, the causal source of suffering, to continue. God won't allow that to go on eternally. He has to come, it has to come to a conclusion. He doesn't allow it to go because he so loves you. He won't allow suffering and sorrow and pain and selfishness and pride to continue to rule our universe because he loves us too much. You see, this is why the, 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 the idea of an eternal hell is completely an affront to me. Because the idea that the God of the universe himself would keep you alive just to continue suffering is completely in opposition to the character of God who so loved us that he would die for us. Who so loved us that he's going to these great, amazing lengths to get us home. The whole, the whole concept is an affront. It's a horrible statement, and it's wrong. It's not true. The God of the universe, his character would not allow it to happen. Second, sin is a chosen state, not a chosen state of being, not a particle or an object. Sin is not, sin is not something that's out there. It's not just a thing over there. It's a thing that's in here. It's, it's something that's gotten inside of us and broken us deep down. Sure, there are, there are activities that come as a result of those choices, but those choices are the things that are the problem. The brokenness inside is the problem. The horrible nature of our broken heart, that's the problem. Our deceitfully wicked heart is our big problem here. It's, it's not what we've done. It what's motivates, it's what's motivating what we've done. It's what's driving us, what keeps taking us back to that thing. That's what causes the problem. That's what the real issue is. Our personal problem with sin is that we've chosen the state of being. Now you can argue, well, Adam and Eve chose it for me. Well, too late for that. You're already in there. The choices from the time you were aware to now have been all yours, right? So we can't just blame it on somebody else. We, we inherited a propensity, but we made the choices. And yet God so loved us that he didn't even want to leave us like that. He could have just let sin destroy us on its own. We would have destroyed each other. We would have blown the planet up. We would have done something to kill the whole thing. But he couldn't even allow us to let sin just play it out and destroy ourselves. In the, in the situation we found ourselves in, he decided to figure out a way to rescue us. He decided to figure out a way to get us home. God so loved the world that he wouldn't let sin reign forever. The Lord God said, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden. From the very beginning, he, he made a, a, a priority, keeping sin from carrying on into the next and the next and the next generation all through eternity. He said, look, we're not letting Adam go back into the garden. After he has sinned, after he has chosen not to trust us, we can't let him go back into the garden, take from the tree of life and keep on living. We can't let sin last forever. We have to stop it. We're going to stop it. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden. 
so that sin could not reign forever. And if you remember, he put a guard at the entrance to the garden to keep him from getting in. God loves us too much to allow this mess to continue. Understand why. You've got to understand why. You've got to understand God's motivation or you get this picture all messed up. You've got to understand that it's an, it's an end to the trial and the trauma that sin has created that is motivating God's action. He, he loves you too much. He loves you so much that He's going to step into this mess and stop it. The wages of sin is death. gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. There's, there's the crux of it. There's the crux of it. I'm just not going to let this go on. I'm not going to allow this to continue. Put your kid in our place. And you want God to do the same way. If you could step into the life of your child and prevent suffering, prevent pain, prevent sadness, if you if you were if you were able to stop them from from having the the life that you could see coming, one of the one of the sadnesses of being an adult is that you can see see things coming, right? The older you get, the more you can see what's coming because you've been down that road before and you've seen all the potholes, right? You, you've been in the mess that is ahead of them, and so you're, you're watching out ahead of them and saying, don't, please don't make that turn. Please don't go down that road. I went all the way to the end of that road, and I just had to come back, walking back through all the mud and the mess and the mire of it. Don't make that turn. Wouldn't you step in if it were your kid and prevent them from doing that if it was in your power? It was in his power. If you and I would do it for our kids, how much more would a father who loves us so much be willing to do it for us. Understand the motivation for ending sin. Even forgiveness had to be done justly and righteously if it was going to be given from God. We have a sin problem. God wants to offer us a way out of it. But even that must be in alignment with His character. Did you hear? Even that must be in alignment with his character. Romans 3.26, this is the end of the passage, which we'll look at in a minute. It says, he must be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God not God is not just simply saying, well, forget it. I'm going to pretend it didn't happen and erase the record. Instead, he has to remain just while he provides justification. You get that? It's an important thing. God's, God loves us so much, He wants to intervene and stop this stuff. He loves us so much, He's trying to help us out. But, but, He must remain just as He does it. He can't step out of His own character. He can't, God cannot sin while trying to save sinners. Right? He cannot be unjust because it's against His nature. He can't be unrighteous because it's against His nature. He must remain just and still be the justifier of those who he's forgiving. So here we go back to verse 25. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. 
So, so Paul says, look, this is how you get forgiveness. This is how you're made right with God. This is how that, 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 that thing plays out. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. People are made right with God when they accept what Jesus has done for them. This sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus, shows that God was fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in the times past. Now stop for a sec. You understand the question that the Romans are asking. You understand the question that Paul's answering. He said, look, there's been a buildup of sin for thousands of years. There's just piles and piles of it. There are people who've been sinning for, for, for years and years and years, their whole lives. They've been full of sin. God, how did you not punish them up to now? How did you not punish them before the cross? And Jesus is simply, simply saying, look, look, the cross, the, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, it was, it was capable of covering all the sins of the past. Everybody who ever sinned got there on faith of what Jesus was going to do. Everybody who ever sinned was forgiven by the fact that Jesus was going to offer himself, not by their own merit, not by anything else. Anybody who tells you that it was a different set of rules before is just wrong. It's not a different set of rules before the cross. It's always been the same rule. It's always been the same discussion. It's always been the same thing. God so loved Adam that he stepped in. It was, it was a long time. It was thousands of years before he stepped in. But by faith, Adam saved because of what Jesus would do, not because of what he had done. You and I have the benefit of looking backwards and saying, wow, look what God did. All they had was the opportunity to look forward and say, please, God, intervene. And Paul's saying, look, the sacrifice of Jesus showed that God was right. He was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned before us. You got that? He so loved all those people back there that the cross had to happen. He had to happen. Jesus didn't want it to happen. Jesus tried to avoid it. Jesus said, please let this cup pass from me. Not, thy, my, not my will, but thy will be done. It's Jesus' humanity crying out for a recovery from a rescue, for a rescue from this problem. And he said, understanding his foreknowledge, his wisdom, his compassion, his love, that allows him to say to us, hey, we can't avoid this. You know. That we so love these people that we've got to do it. We have to. Because he so loved these people to let them die with just pain. That he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. Moses, written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Adam, written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Hezekiah, written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Everybody you can imagine rescued by God in the Old Testament was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Looking forward, looking ahead to the, what he would do at the cross, he was writing down their names saying, I got this, I got this. I got this. Yes, I know what this will cost me, but I got this. These guys are going home. These kids are coming home. Yes, I understand what the pain will be like, and he will, they will still come home. They will still come home. Hey, you guys, I want you to go into the temple. I want you to sacrifice the lamb. I want you to understand that, that this 
This is, the, this, this is the cost of sin. This is what happened. Death came because of sin. And so at your own hands, I want you to sacrifice the lamb so you understand the cross. You'll understand the penalty. You'll understand the cost. You'll understand that when you do those things, when you make those choices, when your heart goes awry and away from me, when you choose not to trust me when I'm leading you, when you choose to avoid and, 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 and walk away from me, when you choose to sin, this is what kind of cost it will cause. This is the kind of pain it causes. This is, this is what it is. Be real about it. Face it. It's true. It's going to cost. But I'm willing to pay. I'm willing to pay. Just trust me. Because he saved us. And he saved us from our sins. And God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just. And he makes sin right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Because he saw, saw, saw. Because he so loved us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, He is faithful. He will always do it. Faithful means trustworthy. It means it, it's, it's there, it's waiting. He is faithful and He is just. Because of the cross, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, he is just. He has the right to do it because he earned the right to do it. What motivate him? He just so loved us, he couldn't do anything else. He couldn't imagine a universe without you. He couldn't imagine heaven without you. God couldn't imagine heaven without you present. It would break his heart to have a heaven without you in it. He so loved you. He so loved you. Second Corinthians 5.19 Then God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. For may he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He loved us so much that he took on sin for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us, so that we might take on the righteousness that was only available in him. So loved you that he became sin. He became sin for us. Yeah, you can wake up in the morning, wake up in heaven and say, you've proven it. I am the one you love. No question about it. Good morning, God. It's me, Walt. The one you love. You have the right. He's proven it. There's, there's a thousand ways in which he's proven it. You can wake up in the morning, look up at the, at the heavens and say, it's me again, God. The one you love. 
it's just true. You so love me. My father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No, no, the next phrase, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. Why? Because I just love you. If you don't understand the motivation of God, you start manipulating this whole idea, thinking that you earn it, you, you, you control it, you're in charge of it, but you're not. You're not. You're not in charge of the transformation. You're not in charge uh, of, of the exchange. You're not in charge of any of this. It's just a plain fact that you are loved beyond your imagination. You are so loved. God so loved the world that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we were healed. This event, this cross, this moment in time, this this collision between unrighteousness and righteousness. This, this, this attack of God on the reality of sin exploded in love for us. Have you seen your kid fall for somebody you didn't think was going to work. You know, it's that uh, head cheerleader type. It's the the captain of the football team type. Have you maybe fallen for that person? 1975, were you sure you were going to marry Christy Brinkley? I only heard ladies laugh. Some of you are still heartbroken. Do you ever feel like God is so intently loving the world that he's doing crazy stuff? Even people who don't like him, he's still pursuing them. Even people who don't care about him, he's still following them. Even people who have completely rejected him, he's still he'll still try to woo them. He's still trying to draw them in. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his heart. He gave his life. He gave himself. cross, we just saw what so love meant. That's it. At the cross, where the Messiah died, where God decided he would give his life for yours and mine, we finally, really clearly saw what so love meant. Would you bow your heads with me?
just this is beyond words for me. To try to understand and explain that love like this is wider than words. It's beyond me. Father, I pray that you would help us to see See in the presence of Jesus and his son, his willingness to die on a cross, to take the stripes on his back, the nails in his hands, to give his life so that we would simply have the opportunity to be free. Lord, I pray for the person this morning who's not realized before that this is the kind of love God has for them. I pray that they would be willing to accept that love this morning. Not knowing what it means, just knowing that they're loved. I pray that that they would just give their heart back to you. Restoring the trust that Adam and Eve left unlocked. I pray for those of us who have gotten so accustomed to hearing about the cross that we don't see it anymore. That we've just heard the story and we've seen the pictures and we've just grown comfortable with this kind of sacrifice that you made. that we're no longer in awe of your love. Lord, I pray that you will bring it into clear focus for us. I pray that you will help us to to remember how much we are loved. I pray that we would each risk recognizing ourselves as your absolutely loved Jesus.